Hey, it's the Kentucky Guy, and thank you so much for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. Here at Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast, we talk about past, present, and future wrestlers and promotions. So yeah, I'm so glad that you joined us. As for myself, I've been watching wrestling off and on for over 25 years, and I find much enjoyment into it. I have a whole lot of knowledge, and uh, you know, I kind of... I kind of see where some things can be changed and some things are great, right? But anyways, once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode and be sure to click subscribe or follow no matter where you're listening to us from. We're on all platforms, Spotify, Google, Apple, Comcast, uh, Amazon Music, and it goes on and on. So check us out here at Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. Enjoy the show. Thank you. And welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm your co-host, the Kentucky Guy. And I'm your other co-host, Donnie Cage. All right, Donnie. How are you doing today, brother? I'm doing just peachy, sir. How are you doing? I am doing okay for a Monday. So, folks, if this is your first time tuning in, uh, be sure to uh, hit that follow or subscribe button. Uh, we are on all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, and many more. Also, uh, Donnie Cage, he is the creator and co-host of Uncaged Voices podcast. Did I say that right? Yeah, the Uncaged Voice. It's just one. It's just one voice. <laughs> well, I figured. Podcast. I figured I'd make it a little bit bigger than what it was. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you can uh, uh, also follow him uh, anywhere that you can listen to a podcast, including Twitch, by the way. Also, for you uh, fans of the news, current news and uh, political, uh, that kind of joint, that kind of junk, I call it. Uh, yeah, I also host the uh, Red Pill Current News Podcast, and uh, we're on every platform as well. We do drop new episodes there every um Wednesday and Saturday. Also right here, we drop new episodes every Monday and Friday. Now, if you ever want to be a guest on the show or you have any questions for Donnie or myself, uh, you can always uh, uh, email us at OLKentucky, spelled out, OLKentucky99 at Yahoo.com. That's OLKentucky99 at Yahoo.com. So a lot of stuff, my friend, going on in the wrestling world. Um, it's uh, kind of crazy, uh, everything I'm seeing. It's uh, an exciting and crazy time to be a wrestling fan. Yes, very, very true. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, jump right into it. The biggest news that I've heard 
and this actually broke today, uh, is Jeff Jarrett, who has been working behind the scenes uh, for WWE, <clears throat> is gone. And he's, he's done with WWE, but he also didn't give any knowledge on if he's going to go back to Impact, uh, if he's going to get involved with AEW. Uh, I don't know, but he is gone from WWE, which is kind of shocking because he had kind of a decent role on, on uh, the last SummerSlam. He was a referee uh, and during the tag team title match. Uh, but yeah, he's, he left on his own... Uh, on his own will. What do you think about that, sir? I think that J E double F J A double R E double T is always going to surprise you as far as where he's going to go next. And you know, this actually kind of brings up a good point. Is he still a minority shareholder with impact or did he, or did he forfeit all of his shares in that company? Okay. So the storyline is he lost them, right? But in actuality, him and his dad still own the most of the shareholders in that company. It kind of makes me think he could always go back there. Now, whether that's the right thing for him to do at this point in his career or not, I don't know, because I think that Impact in many ways has been trying to build its own identity as a brand, one that's separate from the Jeff Jarrett days. So it will be interesting. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't see Jeff Jarrett going to AEW, but that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, I, uh, and I agree. He should not go to Impact. Impact is actually in a good place right now. Uh, uh, I don't know if you follow them. I know you work a lot, but uh, I follow them kind of closely. And uh, they've actually, I mean, they've got a great champion. Uh, and uh, they're actually coming into their own. They got two good factions, uh, and the Bullet Club is uh, being uh, weave, uh, weaved in here and there on certain television episodes. So uh, I think they're in a good place right now. They just need to—they don't like you said—they don't need to go backwards. They need to keep going forwards. Another, yeah, and I mean they've really, and I mean they've really switched up their aesthetic in the last couple of years again to differentiate from the old days. I mean it seems like they do most of their shows in smaller arenas as far as their TV tapings are concerned. And I guess that just works for them. It works with the, like I said, the new aesthetic of the company. Right. Right. And, uh, if you, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. They, uh, they have some pretty good matches on, on live television too. So yeah, I mean, how many times, uh, Donnie, and you can answer this if you want, uh, how many, t I know I heard it a bunch. How many times over the last, I don't know, four or five years have I heard, or maybe you've heard it too, uh, that, uh, impact is going out of business. They're done. They, they can't make it. Oh, I've heard that rumor all the time that they're in major financial trouble and, oh, this company's not going to last. And, but somehow they, they keep trucking along and they've got talent too. They've got some good talent. So. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. But yeah, going back to Jeff Jarrett, uh, I can tell you one thing. He impressed me in Ric Flair's last match. He can still go, even at 55. He, he really did. He impressed me. Uh, another former Hall of Famer, uh, he is a current Hall of Famer, another former WWE wrestler. Uh, looks like he is finally going to be returning to the WWE very soon, the company. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad for this. A new report from PW Insider Notes. 
that James Road Dog Brian James is returning to work for the company in an executive position, but there's no word yet ex- on exactly what job he w- he will be working and when he will restart with the company. James is not currently backstage for tonight's Raw uh, from Toronto, but word going around is that he is back with the company. There have been some speculations on WWE rehiring James now that the executive Vince, uh, vice president of talent relations and head of creative Triple H is running the show. James had been working behind the scenes at WWE NXT and WWE Performance Center until he was released this past January. And before that, he worked as head of creation or creative for SmackDown. James recently campaigned, and I remember this. Uh, I thought it was a bad sign on him because he's, he's way more, he's too talented to be begging for a job. But he did campaign publicly for a job with AEW, but that never materialized. He then sat backstage with the Impact crew at uh, Emergence last Friday. I remember that. That was weird. Uh, but that did not turn into a job with the company as he's now returning to the WWE. Now, I personally think that that's where he belongs. Um, I think he, he might have hurt his credibility just a little bit, uh, begging for a job, especially begging a guy like uh, Tony Khan for a job. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think this is a good move on Triple H's uh, part because uh, he was I thought he was great in the role he was. He actually done that role uh, better than he did as a wrestler, in my opinion. There's no doubt he contributed a lot behind the scenes and, you know, very influential tag team wrestler. No question about it. So he cut one of the best promos in the business back in the day, back when I was a really dedicated fan. You know, not that I'm not still a wrestling fan. Obviously, I am talking about it today, but um, I mean, I'm glad to see him back with WWE. I do agree that's where he belongs. I mean, he did. He was in Impact back when it was still TNA wrestling for quite a few years where he was part of three live crew and then the James gang and the voodoo Ken mafia and whatever else they called that team. Um, but honestly I found his, uh, TNA wrestling run to be pretty forgettable. So, especially in comparison to his time in WWE. So I'm glad to see him back. Yeah. And I'm glad that he didn't go to AEW. Uh, look what it's done for, uh, Billy Gunn's career <laughs> that he didn't go to AEW. Um, so yeah, so, and and you're right. His time is very forgettable in TNA. I actually forgot he was there. The one thing that I always remember about him is he is Bob Armstrong's son and Brad Armstrong's brother, two of back in the day, back in the old, old days, back when I was just a kid watching wrestling, uh, were two of the top stars in the NWA. And, uh, he actually, um, he went farther than they did in the business. And, uh, you know, that's something to be proud of. Uh, so also a uh, new WWE table for three episode and more WWE content has been announced. A new episode of table for three will premiere on Peacock and the WWE network this Friday. The episode will feature queen, uh, Zelina Vega, which is interesting. Cause I thought she was gone. Rhea Ripley and raw women's champion, Bianca Belair. Blah. Uh, this will be the, uh, generation now edition of the show. So Zelina Vega, Hmm. She's back. I wonder, uh, you know, you know who she used to manage, right? Andrade. That could be interesting. What do you think, sir? 
I think it'll be an interesting episode. I mean, we, we all know that Bianca Belair is secretly your favorite female wrestler in the company and don't try to convince people otherwise. Um, especially with that, that trademark, uh, ponytail that she, uh, that she weaves around. Uh, but Rhea Ripley, uh, curious to hear what she has to say. And same thing with Zelina Vega, Queen, excuse me, Queen Zelina Vega. Um, I, I don't know how much they'll touch on their personal lives because in real life, Queen Zelina Vega is actually married to Malachi Black, the former Aleister Black in WWE. And Bianca Belair, of course, is married to Montez Ford of the Street Profits. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, and uh, no, she's not my favorite wrestler at all. I like how you threw that in there. Uh, let's see. Also um, announced uh, the following none WWE indie content will also be added to Peacock and the WWE Network this Saturday. Progress, Chapter 137, Progress, Chapter 138, and ICW Fight Club, Number 231. Uh, on a related note, 10 more episodes of WWE Superstars uh, were added to Peacock and the network this Friday. Now, here's what I don't understand. Um, why do people still have the WWE Network? Why would you pay for both of those? Peacock has it all. I I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand. And, and, you know, honestly, this is my personal experience with the network. As much as I liked all having access to all that content, this is what I always had issues with. Typically, when I would use the network on a smart TV, it would work pretty well. It would, it would uh, we'd have some little hiccups here and there, but it worked pretty well. If I used it on my phone, it usually worked okay. As soon as I tried using it on a laptop computer through the WWE website, it would it would always get stuck or it would crash or something. So I had to start out by watching back then a pay-per-view on the network on my computer and then would have to switch over to my phone most of the time because you know, I was living at home at the time and parents were usually watching the TV. So, uh, so yeah, I was honestly... It sounded like a great concept in the beginning, the network, but I am so glad that they ended up making the deal with Peacock and switching switching it over there because I haven't had any issues with Peacock ever since I started using it, watching WWE content. Yep, and uh, I'll tell you something else. On the network, one of the things I hated, uh, oh, it drove me crazy, was wait all day to watch a pay-per-view and the pay-per-view would freeze up like right in the beginning, like right after the kickoff show, it would freeze up. And sometimes, you know, it'd start working again in five minutes or sometimes it'd be 20 or 30 minutes. And I'm like, what? Uh, it, yeah, uh, I, I completely agree. But I just don't understand. I mean, I know of people that have pay both these subscriptions, but that's like, um, yeah, smoking two cigarettes at once. Uh, it's the same thing. Why would you pay two of them? Couldn't agree more. And I mean, the other thing that I really found annoying about the network is when I would watch old, uh, is when I when I watch old shows, and they didn't have the the license to use some of the the wrestler themes from back in the day. So you would go back and watch WrestleMania three, and you'd still have Macho Man Randy Savage coming out to pomp and circumstance. Oh yeah, brother! But then you'd have Ricky the Dragon Steamboat coming out to, to this like generic theme when he was supposed to come out to the Alan Parsons uh, project song, Sirius, which he was known for, which was also the theme for the Chicago Bulls for a lot of years. It was a great song. But that just used to upset me so much because I'm like, 
the, the wrestling theme is part of what makes the wrestler. I mean, imagine if Hulk Hogan didn't come out to Real American, or imagine if Bret Hart didn't come out to his theme, Shawn Michaels didn't come out to Sexy Boy, and all those other songs. I mean, it just would ruin the experience. Yep, yep, uh, I agree. And uh, <laughs> now that you mention it, you got my mind thinking about the network. Uh, I remember uh, watching old pay per views because I'm I'm a, I'm a dork. I'm a wrestling guy. I, I like to watch old pay per views. And uh, I would wait for a certain match or look for a certain match, and they would cut that wrestler completely out. Like, that match, would, like, it didn't even exist. And I know for a fact it happened during that pay-per-view. Uh, and that's just, uh, yeah, it boggled my mind. Um, okay, so moving right along. Uh, Brian uh, Gerwitz on being suspended with Paul Heyman, the WWE creative pitch for Tori Wilson to appear nude on television. Uh, former WWE head writer Brian Gertz uh, recently spoke with uh, Sports Kinjas, uh, Rhea, and revealed that uh, what led to he and Paul Heyman receiving seven-day suspensions several years back. Heyman and Gertz uh, were lead writers of SmackDown and Raw, uh, respectively, back in the early 2000s. But it's been reported on one occasion both men received a seven-day suspension after a creative disagreement led to a minor physical confrontation. Oh, wow. I would like to see that. Uh, Gertz uh, downplayed the reports that he and Heyman engaged in a fistfight. Quote, uh, that's very, very generous way of putting it. I think that uh, that's an insult to fistfights. I don't think fists were even actually involved. I think perhaps some... Uh, Light swat, <laughs> light swatting for a few seconds was the extent of it. Gertz said, um, "A prodigy of Heyman once pitched a bizarre storyline idea that would have ended with WWE Hall of Famer Tori Wilson appearing naked, uh, and this is their words, not mine, on WWE TV." Gertz strongly opposed the idea and had no problem voicing his opinion in a production meeting. Uh, the 2002 through 2004 era of wwe both on screen and backstage it was a little bit more wild west than what we're accustomed to seeing and experiencing today uh we had split writers uh split writers teams paul was the lead writer of smackdown myself was raw and sometimes you work so closely with someone uh tensions mount gertz said uh gertz admitted that he probably said something unwise to Heyman. uh so i did not know uh, the reason why I uh, brought this story up is because I did not know that Paul Heyman was a lead writer way back then in 2002-2004. Uh, he's been with WWE a very long, a lot longer than I thought. I thought when Brock left, like he was gone too because you never heard his name, you never seen him or anything. But uh, yeah, he was still writing for him. I, I had no idea. Well, I think what actually happened with Heyman is that he was, I thought he was just on the creative team, not that he was actually the head writer on SmackDown. But I think what happened was, and I'm trying to, and wrestling fans listening to this podcast can probably correct me on my timeline, but I think what happened is around 2005, Jim Cornette was fired from OVW. And at the time, Paul Heyman was still working on the creative team for SmackDown, Eventually, they decided they wanted Paul Heyman to go down to OVW and basically run the show down there to replace Jim Cornette. 
And Paul Heyman was there for a while. And that was, of course, when he brought in guys like CM Punk and a few others to uh, OVW. And again, I don't know what the timeline was because Paul Heyman left WWE for a while. And then he came back as Brock Lesnar's advocate. And then he was, for a little while, he was the head of the creative team on, on Raw for Raw. And then, you know, they just put him back to an on-screen role. I don't know if he does anything behind the scenes currently. But, I mean, I'm not entirely surprised that, that, that this idea was probably pitched by Paul Heyman. Because, I mean, look at how they pushed the envelope back in ECW. Yeah, uh, Gail Kim. <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing I thought of in ECW, uh, that pay-per-view. Uh, never forget that. Um, but yeah, uh, Paul Heyman is still, uh, even though he's, uh, Roman Reigns' uh, manager or advocate or whatever, uh, he, yeah, he's still a part of the back, uh, the backstage team. Um, he is, he was under, uh, John Laronitis before John Laronitis was, uh, released. So he was a part of talent relations. He is a part of, not was, he is a part of talent relations and i think there's something going on there especially with this new flood of uh new superstars coming back is probably why they're in the storyline he's supposedly in the hospital due to uh SummerSlam. well well of course i could i, I could go and i could jump into my john laurinaitis impression but uh <laughs> i'm not gonna go into that but um i actually kind of wonder now, because Triple H, honestly, has always looked down on Paul Heyman to some degree because of ECW. And you remember the promos he used to cut back in the day? We'd say, oh, you should go back to your bingo hall, Paul Heyman. A lot of people think that that was a bit of a shoot on uh, Triple H's uh, part because he didn't think very highly of ECW. So I do kind of wonder if eventually Paul Heyman might get pushed out, at least on the creative end. You know, not, nothing's a guarantee in the wrestling business, but I, I do kind of wonder. Well, that's that's odd you say that. Uh, it's very odd because uh, uh, I've seen interviews with Triple H. Like, uh, he actually said he respected Paul Heyman. <laughs> so I don't know. He acted like he really liked the guy. So uh, I remember the shoots when he was a wrestler. Uh uh, I don't know if you can call it a shooter or work, but uh, I, I, I remember, I know what you're talking about, the promos he cut when he was a wrestler, but uh, also you got to remember what Paul Heyman used to say to Vince McMahon, you know, about how he stole his ideas and stole his company, stole his life, actually, in that one promo. But yet, in all reality, Paul Heyman cried the day that Vince McMahon retired. So, I don't know, sir, I think you might be a little bit off base there. It seems like Triple H I seen him in an interview uh, not that long ago, and he was talking about um, how much he respected Paul Heyman because of the years he put into the business. So I don't know. And you could be right. I, uh, maybe it was just uh, he was in character, and the Triple H character would tell Paul Heyman to go back to his bingo hall. I know, and I thought it was great. <laughs> I remember uh, when they did the uh, uh, when. After Vince bought ECW and they did the one night stand, uh, and Paul Heyman came out there and he tells and he tells JBL, 
the reason, only reason why he was WWE champion is because Triple H didn't want to work on Tuesdays. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> he also said in the same pr- promo, hide your wives, it's Edge. <laughs> yep, about the Mad Hardy deal. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about SmackDown. We've got some, uh, they had a uh, dec- pretty decent show. Uh, I I loved how it started. Um, she's earning my respect more and more. Uh, Ronda Rousey uh, comes walking out right past the announcers through the crowd, goes straight to the ring. Uh, they acknowledge her suspension and wonder why she's there. Uh, Ronda stands in the middle of the ring and takes the mic and lets them have it and eventually gets arrested again. Uh, I, I leave this girl alone. Let her fight. Your your thoughts, sir? I mean, we all know Ronda Rousey's the baddest woman on the planet, and uh, I mean, I I mean, I agree with you. I mean, just doing week after week doing the same angle where she just gets arrested. It, it's getting old. It's like, come on, she's we we want to see her break some arms. That's why we pay to see Ronda Rousey, not to walk out to the ring, cause a ruckus, and and get arrested every week. If anything, she should just be tossing these guys aside. Like, like what are you kidding me? They're going to take me down, the baddest woman on the planet? I agree. It's a, it's a waste of talent. It really is. Uh, then we had the WWE uh, Women's uh, Tag Team Titles Tournament. Uh, first round match, uh, Natalia and Sonya Deville versus uh, Toxic Trash, Attraction uh, from NXT. And uh, I thought Toxic Attraction looked very good. Uh, they won the match, uh, and I thought that they actually surprised uh, Natalia by rolling her up. But um, I think these girls might be coming to the main roster very, very soon. Uh, they, they've definitely got a shot at these titles, I think. But this is what I want to ask you, Kentucky guy. What about Mandy? Well, that, that that's the other part of it, right? Because she's not ready to come back, I don't think. I don't think so. She's done a great job rebranding herself, but I still think she needs to simmer a little bit while longer before she comes back because she got lost very, very. I mean, they even had her act like she was Otis's girlfriend, dude. I mean, she got lost in the shuffle bad as a wrestler, and uh, she's redeemed herself quite a bit in NXT, and I, I think she needs to simmer there a little bit. What do you think? Well, I mean, you know, there's there's a school of thought that says, you know, let her keep her momentum going in NXT 2.0. But at the same time, it's like if we wait too long to bring her to the main roster, then the hype might die down before she before she even gets there. And then it'll be to the point where the crowd won't care that she's back. Whereas you strike while the iron's hot and she might have an opportunity to make a make a real impact. Yeah, I just. uh there's so, I don't, I mean, who knows? Liv Morgan's champion. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, it's anything's possible. I, I can tell you though, by watching her on NXT, uh, every week, she doesn't look like she's in a hurry to get back, to go anywhere. She looks very comfortable and, uh, she's come into her own. So I thought that was pretty cool. So then they cut backstage. Poor old Sammy, <laughs> Sammy Zane, uh, goes in and talks to, uh, the, uh, tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Uh, he gets a phone call while he's in there and lets Roman know that uh, the Usos will not be there tonight on SmackDown uh, Friday night. So you could see, you could see actually he was a little bit concerned. Uh, I noticed when uh, Sammy told him that 
And then being the guy that he is, and he's so smart, he starts playing into like Sammy's a part of, of, of the bloodline. Uh, and you guys will see here later when uh, he's out there confronting uh, the t- horrible wrestler, Drew McIntyre. Uh, you'll see where this pays off, but I thought that was very interesting. It shows you how smart the tribal chief is. Wouldn't you agree, sir? Well, I would agree. It shows you how smart the tribal chief is by manipulating people to his own, to his own advantage. But I, but I will just give a little PSA here, kids. If you're wondering why the Usos were not on SmackDown, the real life reason for it is because of Jimmy Uso's uh, multiple DUIs in the last couple of years, which is nothing to joke about. Um, and it is unfortunate because uh, it would have been great to have the Usos on SmackDown alongside the Tribal Chief. I think WWE did a good job covering for it in storyline. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've said it repeatedly, you know, the, the, you know when you're... When you work for a publicly traded company like this and you're on TV each and every week, you know, you need to set an example to to some degree. Whether you're playing a babyface character or a heel, you still need to set a little bit of an, a, a bit of an example and act like a professional. And unfortunately, you know, I've seen in the past you have certain wrestlers who just can't hold their liquor, unfortunately. Yeah, um, that's right. Uh, he lost his passport in uh if you didn't haven't had a chance to watch the replay of SmackDown yet, it was in Montreal, Canada. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know they have. I you see, I I disagree with them covering for him. Uh, and, and my thought is the same thing with Jeff Hardy back in the day. Uh, there's too many young little men and women, little kids that watch this show, and uh, look up to these guys no matter if they're playing a hill they don't know any better or a hill or or a baby face and to cover that up and keep them in front of these kids uh you're pretty much promoting what they've done which is in my and that's the one thing i've i've always had against the wwe uh and other wrestling organizations that i wish that they would get just a little bit their ethics and morals in, in check just a little bit better um okay so then we went to um Max, aha, uh-huh, my favorite skit of the show. Uh, Maximum uh, male models are in the ring. Max Dupree, Maxine Dupree, uh, Masses, and Mad Sore. Dupree takes the mic and hypes up his models, but the fans do begin to boo, as always, because uh, Max Dupree is fantastic at getting people involved on the mic. But here we go. This stupid, stupid group that Triple H brought back for, I don't know why, hit row. His music starts playing, interrupts Max Dupree, and uh, they hit the ring. And actually, they end up clearing the ring after Max Dupree tells them that they're definitely not, uh, you know, uh, ma- maximum male model materials, which they're not. Um, even the woman, phew. Uh, but, anyways, uh, so yeah, they did get out. They got tossed out of the ring. Whatever. Uh, it's just I don't know why they're playing up this uh, top dollar and this uh, AJ Francis and uh, the Adonis. Stupid B Fab. Your thoughts? Uh, well, I just want to say you uh, you referred to Mansoor, who's one of the uh, members of Maximum Male Models, or as I like to call him, Mad Sore. 
because this entire segment until Hit Row showed up was a mad sore to my eyes. So uh, I, I was just really happy to see uh, Hit Row uh, clear the ring because at least we get a somewhat entertaining uh, rap segment where they get the crowd involved and everything as opposed to these wannabe uh, models who, who just think they're so amazing and should be on the, on the catwalk. I'd be like, yeah, I could. Uh, I, 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 I would actually rather watch my cat walk if I, if I owned a cat. Look, man, you can't call what this group did rapping. These, these guys are not rappers. They're not even wrestlers, man. <laughs> I don't know what they are. They're, uh, you, I don't care if they call themselves Kid Rock Jr. They are not rappers, man. Uh, I thought that was horrible. The guys on AEW that are with Billy Gunn now, I can't think of their names. They're actually kind of decent at rapping. These people here are horrible. I mean, you really would rather watch and listen to them than Max Dupree? Max Dupree, as I've said before, is being wasted in this role. His name is L.A. Knight, or or as I like to call him, Eli Drake. And that's who he should be in WWE. The man should be wrestling. He should be... Should be competing in matches, not pretending like he he's, he's do, he has this startup male modeling agency. It's a waste of the man's talents. Yeah, now you know he's not cleared to wrestle right now, right? That's why he's doing this. Well, that I was not aware of, so I appreciate that that little that little bit of info. But uh, but when he is cleared to wrestle, I want to see him back in that ring. <laughs> they cannot take away the maximum model show. I think it's great. He's actually got a female there now. I think it's hilarious. Um, okay, so then we had the number ones, uh, the number one contenders, Fatal Five Way, uh, to go against uh, Gunther uh, at Clash of the Castle. Uh, this was a, I thought this was a pretty decent match. You had Sheamus versus Madcap Moss versus uh, Happy Baron Corbin versus Ricochet, who I thought really shined, and then Sami Zayn was also in the match. And man, oh man. Sami Zayn gets this huge pop, and I'm wondering what the heck's going on. Then I realize they are in Canada, uh, and then you also have Michael Cole making a uh, El Generico remark. I'm like, what in the world? I thought for sure uh, that Sammy was going to be the winner of this match. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would have made sense uh, the home the hometown guy getting uh, getting the big win, whether he won it clean or whether he uh, you know got a sneaky win or whatever, but. Um, you know, there's two. There's pros and cons to Sheamus winning this match. Um, I think on the pro side, it's going to be a hard hitting encounter between him and Gunther. So I'm looking forward to that. It's it's going to be like two bulls, just like trying just trying to smash into each other. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We all know that Sheamus brings a really physical style. The only issue I see with this match is that it's it's going to be a heel versus heel dynamic. And believe it or not. And I'm just doing a little bit of fantasy booking here. We, we talked in a previous episode about about Butch, who is one of uh, Sheamus's running buddies. Everybody else knows him as Pete Dunne, the former NXT tag team and former NXT UK champion. This particular match would be a perfect way to have Butch go back to being Pete Dunne. I mean, maybe he'll try to interfere and help Sheamus, and something will and something will get messed up, and Gunther will end up walking away with with the Intercontinental Title. Then there'll be this big brawl at the end of the match where Butch decides he's had enough of carrying around, uh, carrying on his back Sheamus and Ridge Holland, and he's going to just go back to being the bruiser weight Pete Dunn. 
I think it'd be great if that happened. Uh, I tell you what, um, Rich Holland, I don't think would be in the main roster without uh, Pete Dunn. I, I don't or Butch or whatever you want to call him. Uh, I don't think he because I don't think he's that good. He's a big guy, but I don't I don't think he'd be in the main roster. What's your thoughts on him? I, I mean, I know you've watched him wrestle probably in NXT as well. I, I never was that impressed by him. I mean, I've always liked his look. I've I, I felt you know if he took some more time to develop. I mean, I thought they brought him to the main roster way too quickly. I felt keep him in NXT for at least another six months or more to let him get him a bit more seasoning. But I mean, I always liked his look and thought, you know, if this guy improves over time, he could be really good. But I mean, they brought him up to the main roster. And as we all know, we, and again, I'm not trying to blame him for this because accidents happen, but that's how big E suffered that neck injury, which may potentially be a career ending neck injury. I mean, uh, Ridge Holland was suplexing him on the outside of the ring and he, the, and big E landed right on his head. It's nasty. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've seen interviews with Big E on other podcasts, and uh, uh, he says Rich Rich Holland has, uh, oh man, apologized to him several times, and I'm sure he does feel bad. I mean, Big E was, uh, you know, he was he just was uh, the world champion, and then you know he breaks the guy's neck uh, because he messes a move up. I just, uh, yeah, okay, so yeah, he's got the looks, but he doesn't have the pro, he doesn't have the ability on the mic. And he doesn't have the moves. And I just, uh, I don't, I don't see, I see him getting lost. As soon as that group breaks up, I, I don't, I don't see him making the cut. That's just me. I mean, I may be wrong, but I don't see him making the cut. Uh, something, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I agree with you. I think he could really get lost in the shuffle easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, so then something that I thought was very, very cool and very awesome. Uh, Michael Cole released a video <laughs> of the Viking funeral for New Day. And I tell you what, that was SmackDown for me. That was the biggest thing and best thing that happened on there for me. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. If Kobe Kingston, uh, Woods never come back, I'm okay with that. I'm here for the Viking Warriors. Well, it's the Viking Raiders, sir, but I but I get what you were but I get what you were saying. Even though I wouldn't mind the name Viking Warriors, it has a real has a nice ring to it. But um, you know, at this point, the New Day has accomplished everything they possibly can accomplish, and I know they've teased it from time to time, and it hasn't happened. But I really do think it's time to split them up, and you know, let Kofi go back to finish his career as a singles wrestler. You know, Xavier Woods, maybe he'll be a wrestler, too, or maybe they'll make him a manager because I think he was always the best talker in the group, to be perfectly honest. And then we don't know what will happen with Big E. Maybe he'll come back eventually. Maybe he won't. Um, But he's also another guy who can talk when he's given the opportunity. Um, So, I mean, that's just my opinion. It's let's mix things up in the tag team division a little bit because the New Day's been there forever. They've had a Hall of Fame worthy career, but let's let's change it up. A Hall of Fame worthy career? What? Oh my goodness! They were the longest reigning WWE tag champs in the modern era, sir. Uh, no, not anymore. The Usos have killed their their record, by the way. Uh, past tense, they were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I I just uh, I, they don't need to come back as single. They just need to retire and go away. 
Go away. Go away. Um, all right. So then we had Shotzi. Uh, she got her big match against Liv Morgan. Uh, actually, they put Liv Morgan one, which, I, I mean, that shouldn't surprise us because she is uh, technically the champion, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think much of that match. I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about that. Uh, you get, everybody that ever listens to these episodes, they know how I feel about female wrestling. So uh, I'll turn that one over to you, sir. I mean, I'm just, I'm never going to forgive WWE for taking away Shotzi's tank. I mean, come on, that was a part of her entrance right there. When she was in NXT, that's how she got over. And then when she came to the main roster initially with uh, Tegan Knox, she still had the tank for her entrance. And then some somebody got up one day and just decided, you know what, we're going to we're gonna lose the tank and we're going to turn her heel for no reason. Yeah, real smart. Yeah, the best thing I thought about the tank was when... Uh... Johnny Gargano destroyed it. <laughs> I thought that was great on NXT. Oh, I missed the old NXT. Okay, so uh, as I mentioned, Liv Morgan won that. Uh, and then we had Roman Reigns and McIntyre face off. Uh, and, you know, they, of course, you know, we knew it was going to end up with the uh, fists being thrown. Uh, and here comes Sami Zayn and takes uh, uh, McIntyre's uh, finishing move. <laughs> pushes Roman out of the way but still still they let McIntyre get the better of Roman Reigns I don't know why they're pushing this guy so hard uh and I don't where in the world stop doing these promos uh and get out here and get a part of this main event um uh cross where where, where the heck stop doing the promos and get out there and get mixing it up and make it a three-way dance uh for the main event at Clash of the Castle your thoughts? Well, it's we're still a little over a week away because I think it's September third is the is the event Saturday September third. I mean, WWE could pull a fast one and change it up at the last minute, or you know potentially they could surprise us and maybe maybe they'll announce that Roman's going to defend his titles twice that night. Maybe they'll say. Drew McIntyre is going to challenge for the Universal Championship, and Karrion Cross is going to challenge for the WWE Championship in two separate matches, similar to what Seth Rollins did back in, I think it was 2015 when he was the U.S. and uh, WWE Champion at the time. He wrestled two matches in one night. John Cena, he wrestled, and then he wrestled Sting. Yeah, uh, they need to split those belts back up, so I'm I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Just make sure that Drew McIntyre doesn't end up with one, and I'm very there for that because uh, he does not, he does not need to be champion again of any whatsoever. He needs to go join Sheamus's little group uh, and replace Pete Dunne is what he needs. That that's where he belongs. Uh, okay, so uh, so yeah, so there is a uh, possible spoiler for a big angle on tonight's Raw. Uh, by the way, today is Monday, folks, and uh, Raw is coming up in just about. Ah, 15 minutes. Um, and the WWE reportedly has plans for an angle with riot, a riot police being on tonight's show, uh, which is also going to be aired uh, live in Toronto. So a new report from uh, Fightful uh, Selection Notes that as of Sunday evening yesterday, uh, several extras were booked for a raw angle that would feature riot police. It's believed that this will be related to the ongoing Dexter Loomis invasion. 
but that has not been 100% confirmed. As we've noted, WWE began a new angle with Loomis earlier this month, which saw the former WWE NXT superstar make his return to the company. There's no word whatsoever yet on what WWE has planned for Loomis uh, on the main roster uh, past this ongoing Raw angle. But WWE has acknowledged that Loomis is the man appearing on Raw, and Loomis himself has acknowledged the angle on social media. PW Insider reported that Loomis uh, had not been added to the internal roster for Raw or SmackDown as of last Monday morning. So, yeah, um, okay. Um, I, you know, and, and I understand, I'm glad they, br- they brought Dexter Lumens back. Uh, I think he's got one of, uh, uh, I think he needs a, maybe a different finishing move, but he's got a, he's got a good look and he's definitely got the talent. Um, here's the thing though. Stop doing the same thing over and over. Just like with Ronda Rousey, stop doing it. Let's, uh, you know, let's bring him back, get him in the ring and, and, you know, let's move on. Well, I think they're trying to make it look like it's unscripted, if you will. Like he, like he wasn't. He's not supposed to be there. Kind of like what they did back in the day with Matt Hardy when he wasn't signed by the company, but he would, uh, but he would jump the barricade and he would try to attack Edge and he would try to hijack the show. Um, you know, Loomis, Loomis can actually cut promos. I don't, I don't know if you ever followed him back in the day when he was with, um, when he was with Impact Wrestling when he was Samuel Shaw. Um, but he w- he would cut promos back then. When he was in NXT most recently, they didn't have him talk that much other than a couple of words here and there. And I always thought he did a good job with the creepy sort of like stalker type gimmick, which it seems like that's what they're going with. But then after a while, it it it, it you know it eventually got too comedic because they had him doing the angle with Johnny Gargano and Indy Hartwell and everything, and it was funny. Don't get me wrong, but it kind of undermined the character in many ways in my opinion i actually thought that what was gonna happen with that whole angle is i thought they were going to kick austin theory out of the way and dexter loomis was actually going to replace him in the group which didn't end up happening but i thought that was what was going to be the end result i don't know sir uh it uh it kind of happened that way austin theory came to the main roster and uh uh, johnny did finally accept loomis and they started uh tagging together so your angle was kind of correct actually um i uh so you uh i do i did follow him when he's impact i actually followed him back when he was in ring of honor um he is uh i've always said that he should have been stone cold steve austin's son and that's how they should have proclaimed him even as an act a character Uh, (laughs) i'm telling you shave his head have him grow grow tea and i and the the similarities of a young Steve Austin is right there. And I think they could have played that beautifully uh, for a while. Uh, what they're doing now, um, and you're right, they did it with Matt Hardy. They did it with the Outsiders and the NWO. Um, here's the problem. Uh, the Internet <laughs> ruins all that stuff now. You, you just can't get away with it anymore. So even as they mentioned, even as they mentioned he's talking on social media, about being a part of the company again. So it, it just it just doesn't work anymore. All right, so uh, let's move on to AEW real quick. Uh, CM Punk and Adam Page drama highlighted on Being the Elite. Uh, Dax Hardwood wants FTR to face, uh, face Ozzy Open. Hmm. Uh, so this week's episode of the hit 
AEW affiliate YouTube series, Being the Elite, which I've never watched, I don't know, uh, is now online and has a moment that addresses CM Punk calling out Adam Page and why the hangman didn't answer the challenge. <laughs> the full description reads, Kenny Omega makes his return to AEW and BTE. Uh, AEW star Dax Harwood responds to a fan online who promoted a potential clash between FTR and New Japan Pro Wrestling Aussie Open. Uh, the top guy writes, they have much better tandem offense than we do. They're younger than us. They're bigger than us. They're faster than us. Are they better tag team, though? Question mark. I'm sure I'm not sure about that, but I do know I'll break the, I'll break their noses so they can't breathe. Then who cares about their moves if they can't breathe? I, I love FTR. I do. <laughs> I think they're great. And uh, I love this response. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an in-character response. It's almost like they're daring them to come to AEW in their own way. FTR in many ways, um, especially right now, reminds me a lot of the Midnight Express back in the, back in the uh, old uh, NWA days, just in terms of their attitude and everything. Not so much their their look, but there's something about the attitude and the way they work in the ring that reminds me a lot of the Midnight Express. And they've got that catchy theme song that's really reminiscent of the old Midnight Express theme. The only thing they're missing is Jim Cornette as their manager, honestly. I mean, they had Toby Blanchard for a while, which, you know, kind of worked, but then... FTR got really over with the fans and they ended up sort of turning babyface since that time. And obviously they've just been like belt collectors as of late. I mean, just winning one title after another. You have to wonder, and I, and I don't know how many more years they're signed under contract with AEW, but you have to wonder now with Triple H being in charge of WWE, could we see FTR down the road back in WWE? They All they need, my friend, is a tennis racket. You're absolutely right. Um, and yes, uh, they are on my list to go back to the WWE. I think they'll be one of the teams that uh, go back. I, I I do appreciate what AEW is doing for them uh, with all these belts because they deserve it. They deserve the recognition. Uh, but I do see them uh, returning because they had a very close personal relationship uh, with Paul, uh, Mr. Triple H. So, yeah. Uh, so I think you're spot on there, sir, as bad as it kills me to say that. Uh, so, so a top AEW star makes a surprise appearance at an indie event in Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvanian base Revenge Pro Wrestling promotion held their press, uh, pressure luck event this weekend at the Avalon Hotel and Event Center in Erie, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, which saw the surprise appearance of a top AEW star, superstar, it says. TNT World Champion Wardlow showed up and gave a powerbomb to a wrestler known as the Man Dime, a moment that popped the live crowd Big Revenge. Pro later responded to the cameo by writing, Tonight has been wild. If you're not here, you just missed AEW TNT Champion Wardlow show up unannounced and destroy the Man Dime. You never know what's going to happen on a revenge event i've never heard of this promotion and i follow indie wrestling kind of sorta actually probably more than i should <laughs> and uh I've, I've never heard of this promotion i don't know what he's doing there evidently i mean i know tony khan doesn't care for these guys going to other promotions but i mean he's 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 supposed to be one of the champions i i, I don't i don't i don't agree with him being i don't i don't like it 
What do you think? Honestly, I, I wish that more promotions would do things like this because it, it not only gets a little bit of attention to the smaller independent promotion, but it also shows that the larger company, in this case, AEW, is willing to do some cross-promotional stuff. I mean, hence why they did Forbidden Door earlier this year, which, you know, was a had varying degrees of success, let's just say. But it wasn't all AEW's fault. There were a lot of injuries at the time. But, um, I mean, I, I, mean I, like, I like this because it kind of reminds me of the old territory days from, like, the 60s, 70s, and 80s where different companies would, would uh, loan wrestlers out for a bit. And let, and let them comp- compete in front of a different audience. And, you know, Wardlow's a rising star in the business. So why, so why not use him in a smaller promotion to get that, uh, to get that extra press? I, I guess, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, one of, one of the, uh, and advice I gave, uh, or I spoke, <laughs> uh, to triple H who knows if you, he probably never here, but, uh, that he needs to change that rule with WWE. But I wasn't talking about these little little shows. I was talking about like, you know, Impact, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, you know, uh, open up the door a little bit more. Uh, and I still think that he's going to do that because if you remember uh, when Triple H took over NXT, you really didn't see a whole lot of indie guys. Everybody was coming from the Performance Center, and once he took it over, he brought a lot of indie indie guys uh, from other promotions there. And I, I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna blow that down. I mean, he can't do everything, of course, in a month, right? But I, I do think he's gonna blow that rule out of the water. What do you think? Oh, I definitely see it happening because he was, he was all for it when he was in charge of NXT, and then as soon as he went out with with his health issues and he, you know, was gone for an extended period. They, they 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 went right back to no 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 it's just going to be a developmental system we don't care about these indie guys and release this guy and that guy and what well, well, what even if that guy's extremely talented and brings in a crowd uh, that makes that makes no business sense yeah i mean just think about it for just a moment if they wouldn't have went that route that triple h went with the indie guys uh you wouldn't have Corey graves you wouldn't have champa there's so many great wrestlers that have put their mark on WWE and, and actually already moved on because he was over for quite a while. Um, you know, I mean, you, you we would have missed out on a lot of great matches. Uh, so Booker T, who has a podcast, of course, um, he commented on CM Punk's AEW issues and, quote, I'm not surprised. And Booker T knows what I know. Let's. I can't wait till you hear this because you're a super-duper CM Punk guy, so I cannot wait for you to hear this. Booker T discussed the CM Punk Adam Page situation during his latest Hall of Fame podcast. As previously reported, CM Punk took issue with Page's promo and their final confrontation on Dynamite in May, ahead of their double or nothing match. This past Wednesday on Dynamite, Punk went off script and challenged Page to a match right then and there. He also called him a coward for not coming out. Uh, there were also sources that believe Punk may have considered not showing up at uh, to Dynamite at all last week. Then this is a quote from Booker T. I'm not surprised. Uh, I've been in a locker room with him, CM Punk. Everything that we're hearing in the news right now on social media, I'm not surprised one bit. I know the fans really love CM Punk. 
they got some uh, kind of love affair with this guy. I've said it before that CM Punk has that ability to make fans feel a certain way about him. And those fans have followed him forever. It was on the eight-year ride, uh, that eight-year hiatus waiting on him and holding on to the hope that he would come back. Finally, he comes back, and now we see that it's not about the wrestling. Let's just say that it's not about wrestling at all. It's about being in the right situation. Quote, if Tony can let him have that, great. It's fine and dandy for CM Punk. But I'll tell you right now, there's a reason why we haven't seen MJF. He falls under the same umbrella as far as a man to hell with, uh, to he- wow, okay, to hell with that. I'm one guy that doesn't have to take it. You know what I mean? And that does sound like MJF. Uh, quote, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be a whole lot more uh, like that. There's going to be a whole lot more like that. You know, my homie, my good friend, Goaty, uh, put out a tweet. He said, quote, people that don't want to be here, they should just leave. I get it. I'm sure it's a lot of people uh, talking like that now because it's not going to always be roses in a situation like this in the wrestling business. That's just the way it is, unfortunately. Uh, We're going to see how this thing plays out at the end of the day. But the one person who's going to have to really take the reins in this situation is Tony Khan, which I agree 100%, uh, because this gives a certain perception uh, as far as certain guys coming in with certain treatment and certain guys that have been there uh, with uh, with the certain treatment. That was kind of weird. Uh, that's where a riff is going to come in, just like it did with WCW. When all the WCW guys came in, guys got mad, uh, guys got hot because they wouldn't make a lot of money. I was one of them. And trust me, if they wouldn't have bumped my money up, I would have left WCW, and I would have gone straight to the WWE. I would have. I know I would have. They made me happy enough to stay. And that's what AEW is going to have to do with a lot of their guys right now. That's the position that they're in right now. You want it to be, uh, you want it to be in that WWC or WCW position, buddy, you're in it. <laughs> I couldn't agree with Booker T more, man. Uh, you know, uh, this is, uh, Tony Khan's creation, uh, backfiring on him. Uh, he wanted all these WWE guys. And, uh, you know, that's why I don't think that M- MJF, his, uh, his pipe bomb, I don't think it was all, uh, I don't think it was all fake at all. Uh, he said a lot of truth in it. And, uh, if you notice, here's the funny thing. If you, if you go back and you watch that, cause I did after reading this, uh, if you watch that, that promo that the last one MJF did when he got out of the ring and left, CM Punk was walking down to the ring. I never caught that before. He was actually walking out down to the ring to talk to him once they cut his mic off. And that's when he got out and he went the opposite way through the crowd out of the building. So I think Booker T may be on to something. Your thoughts? Well, let's, again, let's put storylines and, you know, opinions about who's the best wrestler and who's the best uh, on the mic and all that aside. And let's just talk real life now. I do think Booker T is on to something there because I have read a lot of stories over the years that behind the scenes, behind the curtains, you know, 
CM Punk has put himself up on this pedestal that he is like untouchable and always needs to get his way and it's his way or the highway. And he wouldn't be the first wrestler in the history of the business to want that. And Tony Khan is definitely, I think, in many ways, bending over backwards to keep CM Punk and other XWWE guys happy so that they stay in AEW and don't, you know, cross over to the competition at some point. But, um, you know, I had here, I had heard a rumor that back when they were feuding that hangman Adam page had gone into business for himself in a promo that they had done before his match with CM Punk. And so this was kind of CM Punk's way of getting back at him. That being said, you would think a guy of a veteran like Punk would put the petty stuff aside and wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, I've got to address this out in front of mil- in front of our audience of millions of viewers and live fans um, and would have just kind of stuck to the script and addressed his feud with John Moxley over the AEW title. Um, you know, people are going to speculate who's right and who's wrong in this situation. And is Punk really unhappy or is it all being blown out of proportion? I'm not there because I'm not there. I'm not in the locker room. But I do think Booker T's on to something with his opinion. I said it last week, and I've, I've said it for years, and I'm going to say it again. CM Punk is overrated. I, I And Booker T, when he talks about this love affair with the fans, I get it. My daughter was a huge fan of him back in the day when he was in WWE. I never understood it. Still don't get it. Uh, I think he's overrated. Uh, yeah, but um, uh, you're you're absolutely right. When you cut out and you get the real life stuff, um, I can definitely see him as a punk. That's why he didn't uh, make it in the uh, UFC. I mean, just uh, look at some of the interviews that uh, Dana White did on him after he was gone. It wasn't all bed and roses there. He had an attitude issue. And uh, you can just, sometimes you can just tell by the way a character acts if it's really part of their real life or not. You know what I'm saying? If they're too far, um, if they're too much into character and it's not nowhere near how they act in person. And uh, I don't think so. I think Punk plays exactly who he is when he's on that microphone. I think that's who he is in real life as well. Just my opinion. Uh, Rampage last week. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, I don't, I don't disagree. Cause I mean, I've seen him in interviews and so forth and you know, he's one of those people where one minute he could be really warm and welcoming and down to earth. And the next minute it's like, it's like, no, he's got a, he, it's like, he's got a hair up somewhere and it's like, don't, don't say something to, to tick him off. Yeah. You know, when, uh, uh, what is that guy's name? Uh, Eddie Kingston. Uh, is that his name? Yeah. Kingston, so yep. when he did that promo with Punk, uh, you know, he did an interview on a podcast not too long after that, and he said most of that was real. Like he, that really had uh, Punk really did that to him when he was starting out in the business. And I, I, I don't know, man. I've always thought every time I hear that about you know, like I watch these biographies of wrestlers and I, I try to find out what's really going on, like in their real life and stuff, and get get past the character and uh i just lose respect for people like that man i just i just i just don't like it uh so rampage rampage actually was pretty good uh last week um and i know we're running out of time here but uh rampage uh the aew world's trios tournament semi-final 
uh, Trustbusters versus Best Friends. The Best Friends won. Uh, you called that, sir. Uh, however, uh, I do think Parker looked awesome in that match. Uh, it took them all to uh, get him out of the way so they could get so Orange Cassidy could get the victory. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Best Friends won, so they're advancing. They don't have a prayer, I don't think, in the tournament. But uh, they did knock out the uh, Trustbusters, and I think maybe. They need to do away with Trustbusters and let Parker go on his own because, uh, man, he's talented. Yeah, he he needs to go on his own, and he needs a you know he needs a decent mouthpiece with him. I think uh, th- I think that that's what could set him up for success. This pairing him with Ari Davari, I mean, no no disrespect to Ari Davari, and then this Slim J got like who is Slim J and why should I care? Yeah, I agree, I agree 100%. Uh, and then another match, uh, Swerve and Our Glory versus Private Party. We both called that. We knew Swerve and Our Glory, the fat guy, was going to win again. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then The man is stocky. He is not fat. He's stocky. He should not be in the wrestling ring. He's going to have a heart attack. Come on. <laughs> uh, and then we had Penelope uh, uh, Ford versus Athena. Uh, Athena won. I didn't even watch that. I don't. Uh, I just know that she won. Um, one of my favorite matches of Rampage was the next one for the FTW title. This Zach Clayton guy comes out, acts like he's all cool the week before, comes out to the ring and still acts like he's cool. <laughs> and Hook does one move, one move, and he's yep. done. Choked, choked him out. <laughs> I loved it, and I love and like I love how Taz acts like that's not his son. He goes, oh, man, that wrestler, he's really up and coming. I'm sitting there thinking, dude, everybody knows that's your kid. you know. <laughs> um, and then I tell you, another person who really impressed me uh, was the other, was his last match was uh, Buddy Matthews. Uh, man, he looked great. Uh, he fought uh, Serpentico, whoever that is, but he destroyed him. Uh, and uh, he, he really, I mean, the House of Black, if they would just do a little bit of tweaking, they really got something because they've got some Brody and him, they're pretty phenomenal wrestlers. Uh, and then you got Malachi, who's just, I think, one of the best wrestlers out there right now. Uh, the Blackout, I think, is one of the best moves uh, going in today's uh, professional wrestling game. But uh, they, I, I just, they need to, it's kind of like how they treat, they treat the House of Black, in my opinion, like they treat Rampage. It's like they already give up on it, and they're just going along for the ride. Do you ever get that feeling? definitely it's it's like one week they'll be promoting the house of black as a major threat to somebody and then the next week they're kind of just an afterthought it's inconsistent booking it reminds me of what they did with the wyatt family back in the day in wwe and that's why the wyatt family wasn't quite as successful as they could have been because they didn't consistently book them as a dominant force if they would just consistently keep the house of black you know looking strong each and every week I mean, truth be told, Malachi should be at the very least in the TNT title hunt, if not, you know, the maybe like the All Atlantic belt, you know, have a feud with Pac or something. And, you know, so you could do the same thing with Brody, with Brody King, or maybe pair him and Buddy Matthews up as a tag team. Now, there's a team that could take the belts off of Swerve and the Glory. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Take them off pretty easy, probably. Um, all they'd have to do is run that one guy out of breath. Anyways. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I tell you, one of you probably, you know what, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to you about this. I just found out about this today. Um, 
he was probably one of your favorite wrestlers now i'm thinking about it because this guy i couldn't stand him when he was in the wwe uh but he showed up on dark on AEW <laughs> last night uh uh in wwe he was known as uh no way jose yeah he's in AEW now He did have a pretty catchy entrance. No way, Jose. No way, Jose. No way, Jose. I, see, I knew. I knew when I heard that. I was like, that's probably was his favorite wrestler back then. I swear to God, that's what I thought. I was like, that was probably his favorite guy, man. You know? Uh, <laughs> no way, Jose. Uh, he, he had the exact same gimmick as Adam Rose, just uh, just with a different theme song. Right. Uh, yeah. Also, folks, uh, I forgot to mention at the beginning of today's episode, uh, uh, Donnie and myself, we have actually moved uh, our podcast uh, to a different host and we have a brand new website for the show now. Uh, so if you get a chance, check it out. It's www.against-the-mat-wrestling-podcast. Uh, dot uh c-a-s-t-o-s dot com uh get on there and uh you know there's an email sign up form uh where we can get in contact with you you can sign up for uh different things we're going to have a little bit of a different type of merchandise on there i've got some wrestling stuff coming so uh yeah get on there and check it out and uh you know uh let us know tell us hi we like we love to hear from you donnie you got anything else for today sir I do not, sir. I just want to thank everyone once again for listening into this episode of Against the Map podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you what, uh, the growth uh, of you guys actually subscribing and tuning in uh, in the last couple of weeks has just amazed me. Uh, it really has. And, uh, you know, I just want to echo what uh, Donnie says. We really do appreciate it. But you've, listened, you've been listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast with your hostess. The Kentucky guy and all right, guys, until Friday, you guys have a wonderful day. God bless and God bless America. <laughs>